Hey, what up? It's Podcast Rebellion. We're back at it again here in the Davidson Ford State Farm Studio. I'm your host, Zach Barry. Got an XXL edition tonight for you. We've got Nick, we've got Ben, and we've got our buddy Smeargle making his triumphant return to the show. Before we start, as we always do, I want to remind you of our sponsor that makes this show possible, Davis McCord State Farm. If you need good neighbor service and surprisingly great insurance rates, look no further than Davis McCord and State Farm, your one-stop shop in Tennessee and Mississippi for the service you deserve at the price you want. So stop looking around. State Farm agent Davis McCord is ready to help. Call him at 901-755-6110 for your surprisingly great rates today like a good neighbor. State Farm is there. All right, gentlemen, as we all know, Ole Miss dropped two of three to the Mississippi State Bulldogs over the weekend in uh, rather disappointing fashion on Sunday after a uh, magnificent performance on Saturday from one Doug Nikhazy, one hit, 12 strikeout complete game, 9-0 win. Um, we're going to get into uh, kind of recapping that series, give our thoughts on the uh, loss on Sunday. And then second half of the show, we're going to talk uh, second half of the SEC schedule, um, what they can accomplish, um, I guess what is at stake, and uh, how we think they uh, could potentially finish. So with that, gentlemen, everybody at once, welcome in. Hello. What's up? Howdy, howdy. All right, so I think we've got a pretty nice mixed bag here of uh, reactions from the weekend. Um, our buddy, like I said, Smeargle making his return to the show. I know he had uh, some hot takes. Um, I think he, he, he kind of gave a, a little bit of a preamble that it was, it, they were hot, but they were going to be positive. Um, I've kind of cooled off after uh, Sunday's loss and I'm kind of, you know, throwing it in the trash, moving on, but I've got some takes nonetheless, Nick, Ben, I, I think I know where everybody stands, but um given that this is, uh, like I said, Smeargle's return to the show. It's been quite some time. Um, we will let our uh, our guests go first here. So uh, go ahead and, and, and throw us the takes and, and let us know uh, what you thought of the week. Like, like a fine wine that you've taken out of the, the out of the cellar and, you know, let it age and bring it back, you know, when you're <clears throat> trying to be a little bit more enlightened and a little bit more positive because I just I, – I was hesitant to even look – on Twitter anywhere because it was all, everything was just spitting straight vitriol at this baseball team that I think in Ole Miss is still a very great baseball team. Um, I still, you know, yes, it, <clears throat> these, these last two weekends have really stung. And, um, but, you know, I just think back, these are, we're talking about Arkansas and state probably, Two of the three best teams in the country. Obviously, I think I think I think Texas actually jumped ranking wise. So anyway, but I mean, you're looking at two top five teams in the country, and I mean, with <clears throat> with both series, Ole Miss was had a chance. There was there was always a chance to win. There was always a chance and a spark that kind of looked like it was going to um, be there, um, especially with um, you know the state series. I feel like Friday night was a very winnable game. Uh, obviously, Hoagland had a great outing um, and, you know, set us up to, for the win, but um, – or set us up to, to be there to, 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 to win, and it just did not bounce our way. And, you know, I'm sure um, 
all Bianco uh, sympathizers out there will will agree with me. And I, I'm not saying I'm a huge Coach B sympathizer, but I feel like um, that he's not mistaken when he when he, when he constantly quotes the fact that this is baseball and that's how that's how things f- go sometimes. And um, I just feel like we've had a lot of unlucky breaks, but that doesn't change the fact that this is still a very very good baseball team. Um, and, and we'll talk more about the the, um, the second the second half of the season towards. And I still think there's a lot of a lot of room to grow there. But yeah, I just I was not let down um, after this showing. Um, obviously, and especially after you see what Doug did, and you just can't help but think, man, with a Friday and Saturday um, one-two punch like Hoagland and Doug, it's probably you know one of the top one-two guys in in the country behind Vandy, you just can't help but feel um, optimistic, especially the way um, that Doug, you know, shut down and embarrassed the dogs on Saturday. So I'm, I've got some positive, I mean, we'll talk more about the second half, but I mean, at the beginning of the season, when y'all were, when y'all were talking, you know, what is, what is the ideal scenario to get to host? Well, if I, if y'all correct me if I'm wrong, but it was along the lines of don't ever get swept away and win your home series and sweep if, if you can those. And so obviously, uh, didn't win our home series against Arkansas, but I mean, if you look at a record of nine and six, uh, had the halfway point, I mean, you're, uh, definitely still in a good place in my opinion to moving forward. So I feel like this first half of the season has been great. Obviously those, those two sweeps early on have really helped. Um, like, you know, kind of tack on those wins when you can. So I'm not as, I'm not that down on the state, on the state weekend. Obviously you, you want to win them. Um, but you know, that just that's baseball. So, well, you know, it's, it's um, what if I told you that um, Ole Miss, instead of sweeping, they beat Alabama two out of three on the road, <clears throat> and then take one more against Arkansas or Mississippi State. How do you feel about the season? Right. I mean, at that point, you would have – you would get the two out of three against, you know, the better opponent, but you would still be at nine and six in league play. You know, I, I think I think a lot of us would feel a lot better. The, and I apologize for my dog in the background here on here. Um, the, <laughs> the concerning thing to me, and I think to most people, is – and this is kind of to your point, is – Ole Miss is so good on Friday and Saturday or in games one and two on the mound. But, man, once you get to, like, the the fifth arm in the game or on the weekend, things get really dicey really quickly. And um, and that's scary, right? Because if you don't get and, – and Ole Miss does get this, but if Ole Miss doesn't, let's just say hypothetically, only gets five innings out of Hoagland or five innings out of Nikhazy, at that point, on either late in the game on Saturday or, you know, midway through the game on Sunday, and we saw this at Mississippi State, the pitching goes from, you know, top end of the draft elite to, you know, unproven, to put it kindly. But, I mean – what you said earlier about, you know, switching the the game between, you know, you take away a, a win against Alabama and you give a win to Arkansas or to MSU, but that, that's not how it's 
it's not how it is. I mean, ultimately, oh, I know, I know that, I know that. The, yeah, you're they're, right. You know, they're they're going to look at the conference schedule and they're going to go Ole Miss is you know seventeen and thirteen or eighteen and twelve, whatever. But today, if I said, hey, tell me Ole Miss's second best, uh, you know, weekend series win on the season, I, I guess it's Alabama. Maybe they're not quite as bad as we think. And, and towards the end of the year, they're going to get, or I guess now they're getting prelit back, and so they're going to be better than we, you know, than they kind of started off. But I mean, th- there's just not a lot there. I mean, there is. The a best of, weekend series is is the tournament to yeah, start, open saying. the year. That's what I'm saying. That's the that's the best weekend. What's next is I guess Bama, and then after that, I mean, I guess what's concerning to me through 15 SEC games is the three series losses have played out with almost the exact same script. Yeah, you didn't that's right. quite get enough in game one or game two on you know uh, against the, the against Florida, Arkansas, and Mississippi State. You split them. And then on Sunday you came in and you didn't get enough pitching. Uh, you didn't quite get enough hitting against Florida. You didn't quite get enough hitting against MSU, and you get any pitching whatsoever against Arkansas. So I get it's it's just kind of concerning, I guess, that it's the same script. And I mean, unfortunately, that's how super regionals are. They're three game series. Now, if you win your first two, it doesn't matter. But I also don't think that you know we, we've seen enough of Gunnar Hoagland to say that he's very good, but he's not a guy who's going to give you more than maybe seven innings and more likely six just based on his pitch counts. I mean, how many yeah, times he runs is, up a pitch? Yes. Yeah. He, I don't know. I mean, how many times in his entire career has he given you seven complete maybe twice? So, you know, boom, you're already using Broadway. And if you can't get to Broadway pretty quickly on that Friday night game, you're in trouble. And I just, you know, I, this doesn't need to be, you know, hammered home, but this is the worst bullpen I think we've had off of a good Bianco team in his 21 years. It's crazy to me how how shallow the bullpen is. There's one guy out there. And how hard they can all throw. They all throw like 94, it seems like. Yeah. And, you and, know, uh, there are years where Ole Miss would bring out 87, 88 out of the pen. And and those those guys could get it done. Jeremy Massey, for example. Yeah, I mean, Derek Diamonds is talented as, of a guy we've had in the pen from a, just a pure talent standpoint in, in a long time. But – I mean, he has not put it together at all. So I, that's concerning for me. Is you know, outside of Broadway, if you use him on a, you know, if you use him on a Friday, and 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 the Casey can't get it done on a Saturday in the in the Super Regional, I mean, you're in big trouble on Sunday. There's just there's no one else out there. I've never seen anything like it before in Bianca's time here. So before we kind of jump into talking about the bigger picture, because we're we're gonna really dig in in the second half. Um, we don't really need to recap what happened on Friday. I mean, like you said, Hoagland was good. Gave Ole Miss plenty of opportunities to get it done. Couldn't get the big hit when they needed it. Um, left the bases loaded at least once. Had a couple innings where they had a man in scoring position. Couldn't get him over. Um, Sunday is kind of where we need to kind of fixate before we head into the second half of the show. Um, correct me if I'm wrong here. I think it was the sixth inning. When everything kind of went haywire, uh, Drew McDaniel was great. Um, it was his second SEC start. Um, if I, I think that's right. Yeah, started against Auburn. Um, gave you five and a third, whatever five and yeah, five and a third because he came out after the first out. Um, I mean, gave you all that you should need against Mississippi State. It was one of the stranger things that I've seen in 21 years of watching Mike Bianco baseball where 
you had the entire bullpen basically ready to go because you only, uh, what, two pitchers on Friday, correct? Yeah, at, right. Well, Kimbrell came in after Diamond, didn't he? Okay, so three. Um, and, I mean, I guess technically Kimbrell could have thrown on Sunday because he didn't throw a lot, but – Nikhazy obviously goes the distance on Saturday. So that was kind of the conversation that everybody was having Saturday night was, hey, we've got fresh arms. We're ready to go. You know, it's, you know, game three is up for grabs, rubber match, blah, blah, blah. It was just very strange and very frustrating to bring in a freshman in a high leverage situation on the road. Um, and I would venture to say somewhat of an unproven freshman. Uh, Mallets came in, was a little shaky early in the year in Texas, got out of an inning. Um, but, I mean, he he hasn't been someone that's logged a lot of innings. I thought that Bianco and, and Carl Lafferty would have gone to someone that's been there, done that. I mean, you had Wes Burton, you had Austin Miller, you had Taylor Broadway. I mean, I honestly thought they'd go straight to Broadway and just try to, you know, however many outs are left. Um, why Why can't he get those if he's not pissed on the weekend? I, I don't understand why you can't well, get that, him there. That's a great question. I mean, he was completely fresh. And look, it, it's you lose two of three, it's fine. The overall record's nine and six. It, there are certainly worse places that Ole Miss baseball could be right now. But to me, that was the only – honestly, that was the only thing that I was really mad, concerned about. You know, okay, you lose two of three, whatever. It's it's fine. It, you know, okay, it sucks because it's Mississippi State and they're your rival and you don't want to lose to them. And they've practically owned Ole Miss in, what, the last 17 games, 18 games. Um, so th- that was just my gripe was it was just a complete head scratcher. And, you know, then, you know, Mallets gets, uh, gives up four straight hits. State, I believe, ties it up. And then you go to bring him in to where it's just kind of like, well, why don't you just bring him in in the first place? So that's kind of my thing here is it was just an odd move. It didn't really make much sense when you had, you know, all of these arms that have been in these types of situations. And then also, I mean, Broadway is your best guy out of the pen. If he's ready and he hadn't thrown at all, I just figured it was just a no brainer. Bring him in. I, I don't know how – I mean, it's one thing when a guy's a big league closer and has to pitch three or four times a week in one-inning situations. But when you're in college baseball and you've not thrown in seven days, like you can go 40 pitches. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it, and if you can't, I mean, uh, that's just – that's that's bizarre to me, that the notion that you couldn't go from the fifth on or sixth on or whatever. Look – it's not as I mean, yes, you you you're exactly right, Zach. You do want to beat your rival. It's not as much though that it, the loss to Mississippi State per se as it is as to Nick's point earlier in the show, where where you lost a big series at home to Arkansas, then you lost the big series on the road to Mississippi State, and you lost the road series at Florida. You didn't win any of those series, and the and you you outscored two of those opponents on the weekend. So Ole Miss got outscored by one run on the weekend against Arkansas and outscored Florida and Mississippi State. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but outscored Florida and Mississippi State 
um, and still lost two out of three. Unfortunately, they don't operate under aggregate. No. Maybe we should. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, look, I mean, it's we're recording this on Monday evening. There's no need to really dwell on it. But, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's a fair criticism to, to be slightly worried. Um, but, look, I mean, as we turn the page to the second half of the season, look, I'll say this. You've got wins over the number three team in the country right now, the number five team in the country, and the number eight team in the country. That first weekend in Texas, you beat Texas, Texas Tech, and TCU. Extremely impressive. I don't care if it's the first weekend of the season. The committee still has to honor those three wins. And right now, Texas is, is as hot as anybody. They're 30-8. and eight. Uh, Texas Tech is just trudging along right there at 26-8. and eight. And then TCU is 26-9 and nine after a 4-0 week, and they're up to uh, number eight in the country right now. Um, and, and look, I mean, Smeargle was kind of, uh, nodding to it before we started, but I mean, even though they were really, really frustrating series losses, the series losses that Ole Miss, you know, they finished with three straight heading into the halfway point. They're to the number one team in the country, the number four team in the country, and the number 15 team in the country. So they're not these huge RPI grenades that are just going to kill your resume, when the selection committee is making decisions. So I, I, without being, you know, too much, you know, Oh, well let's like, let's be optimistic about it and not, you know, be, be critical of some of these decisions because I, I, you know, we've been very critical in this first 17 minutes of the show, but it's not the, the absolute worst thing. And as we, talk in the second half of the show about what's left on the schedule and what can be accomplished. I I think we can kind of all agree that everything that Ole Miss wants to accomplish is is still out in front of them. So with that, we are going to take our break here, hear from the other sponsors that make the show possible. When we come back, we're going to talk LSU this weekend. We're going to talk the remaining SEC slate and uh, the 15 games and what Ole Miss has to do. So hang tight. We'll be right back. It's Zach again, Podcast Rebellion, to remind you of our lovely sponsors here at the show. If you like New Orleans-inspired cuisine, go see Kelly English and the good folks in Memphis at Second Line or Restaurant Iris for some fantastic food and cocktails. You can also travel down to the coast to Magnolia House in Biloxi at Harris Gulf Coast. Blackjack, craps, slots, southern cooking, cocktails, what's not to like? All three fantastic establishments Part of the Kelly English Restaurant Group. Good food, good people, good cocktails. It can't be beat. That's Second Line, Restaurant Hours in Memphis, and Magnolia House in Biloxi. Speaking of good food, if you're in Oxford, go see Greg and the good folks at LB's Meat Market, the inaugural sponsor of this year's podcast, on University Avenue, across from Kroger. Celebrate with the best protein for your almost grilling needs with Greg and the rest of the folks there. And be sure to tell them that Red Cup sent you for exclusive deals and promotions. Remember, the Philly combo is back for just $10 right now. And you've got your lunch specials 11 to 3.30, Monday through Friday. That's LB's Meat Market on University, across from Kroger. Arby's is full of shit. LB's has the meats. Speaking of Oxford, if you're looking to get some libations going... 
Be sure to check out Wonderbird Spirits, North Mississippi's first distillery. It's a quick little eight-minute drive south of Oxford on Old Taylor Road, and it's the only spot in the Magnolia State for a true grain-to-glass gin experience. The space is fantastic. Chan and the rest of the guys there are doing some fantastic stuff. Uh, go there, get a tour, do a tasting, or you could do both. Inquire about maybe renting it out for a private event, maybe a anniversary a wedding reception, a rehearsal dinner, something. The place is amazing. That's Wonderbird Spirits, North Mississippi's first distillery in Taylor, Mississippi. And be sure to follow them on Instagram for all their latest updates and uh, comings and goings there at Wonderbird. Speaking of libations, if you're in Memphis and you're looking to stock the cooler this year, Old Dominic on South Front Street is your place to go. Just like Wonderbird, you can go there for a tasting, for a tour, or both. And be sure to check out the Rooftop Bar, which is super awesome. has some great views of downtown Memphis, of the Mississippi River. Uh, you can try their Healing Station High Rye Bourbon, the Memphis Toddy, the Memphis Vodka, or the new Honey Bell Vodka. You can get it all there or at your local package store. So celebrate with that Healing Station bourbon, a very small batch High Rye Bourbon by the folks at Old Dominic. It's a bold, classic whiskey with notes of stone fruit, dark cherry, and just the right amount of spice and heritage that dates back to 1866. You can enjoy it neat or even in your favorite cocktail like an old-fashioned. It's got a mash bill of 52% corn, 44% rye, and 4% malt. Healing Station stands alone in its category of high-rye bourbons. So you could do that, or you can enjoy a quick taste of Memphis Toddy before the game this weekend, and then you can wind down with that Healing Station afterwards. So, like we always say, ask your, pa- ask, ask your package store where you can find Healing Station by Old Dominic. And, as always, OD encourages you to share SIP responsibly. And last but certainly not least, if you're in the market for a new vehicle, make it a Clark Ford vehicle. Corey Clark and the rest of the folks in Amory, Mississippi on Highway 25 are committed to finding you a new vehicle today. Be sure to browse their inventory online, request more information about the vehicles, set up a test drive, and inquire about financing all online. If you want to do it a little old school, maybe uh, conversate via telephone, you can give them a call at 662-257-1900 and get in a new Ford today. We're back here on Podcast Rebellion XXL. We've got Nick, we've got Ben, we've got Smeargle. All right, gentlemen. So here's the thing: nine and six, halfway point. I think, regardless of of how Ole Miss got there, if someone offered that to you, I think everybody here would take it immediately. Nine and six, fifteen games left. With what we know the schedule is, I think that everybody here would be. 100% cool with that. You've got LSU this weekend, a team that is just absolutely struggling. Um, look, this is an Ole Miss podcast, but I don't think this is being too optimistic or too homerish here to say, I think Ole Miss needs to sweep LSU this weekend, and I think they can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you, you combine uh, Texas A&M and LSU, and LSU, and I know Texas A&M is on the road, but, I mean, Ole Miss has got to go. I don't care how it happens. It's got to go 5-1 and one in those six games. There's mm-hmm. just too many. You've got, what do you say, nine and six so far? 
that puts you at 14 and seven. And then you've got two pretty strong opponents in South Carolina and Bandy, both at home, and then Georgia. So you get to 18 however you can do it. But I think five is imperative from those six games because those are bad teams. I mean, Texas A&M doesn't do anything good. LSU has got one decent pitcher. They don't really hit the ball. They don't hit the ball for power. They don't get many walks. They strike out a ton. They don't strike many guys out. I mean, that is a bad baseball team. I mean, how many times are you going to get to say that you swept LSU? So just do it this weekend and and give yourself some breathing room. Um, So, and correct me, so the regionals, the hosting decision will be made after the A&M series, before we host Vanderbilt. Is that correct? Yeah, it's after 24 games. So you probably want to get to – what you know, fifteen wins or so. Yeah, so I mean, if you're if if that's the window that we're looking at, then I mean, you go you sweep you sweep LSU, and then ideally you win the next two. That puts you at set that you're seven and two through the on a nice little streak there in the SEC play, leading into the um at least the. I mean, maybe I'm gauging this wrong, but I mean, I mean, if 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 we're sixteen and eight SEC play. And, you know, you've probably got some other teams that are ahead of us, uh, you know, like States playing Vandy that, you know, who knows how that series. I mean, those those teams are going to drop. I think it kind of puts us right back in that position to for if the NCAA has to make a decision at that point that to maybe name name Oxford, you know, a host for a regional and as well as a super regional. Now, I don't know if that how that affects. Obviously, seeding is going to be wackier, but um I don't, I don't, and this, I think that the whole scheduling of the the, the regionals that that early is really kind of throwing a whole kink in it. But I actually think it works to to, to the rebels' favor. Mm-hmm. And too, I mentioned earlier about like not having a series that you can kind of point at since the opening weekend. South Carolina would be that series. I mean, they're ranked eleventh in the D one poll. I think they're I think they're maybe thirteenth in in the RPI. So that would be the series that you could say like. You know, we didn't we didn't beat Florida, didn't beat MSU, but you know, we we did beat South Carolina, and you're not going to have that blemish yet to to Vanderbilt. That's likely coming. I mean, that's it's a really good team. You don't have that on the schedule yet, so yeah, man. If you're at sixteen and eight, if that's not a top eight seed, it's number nine. I mean, it's right there. I think so. That's. Smiggle brings up a great point. So the window that you need to be concerned with is obviously the next couple weeks before they decide things. And honestly, you know, look, first half the SEC done. We're we're move, we're moving on. We talked about it in the first half of the show. It's it's literally and figuratively done. We're moving on. You've got probably the best opportunity, and I haven't looked at everybody's schedule. But look, Ole Miss just needs to worry about Ole Miss. They don't need to be looking at the standings. They don't need to worry about where State and Arkansas are in the West. It doesn't matter. You just got to win games because of how they're doing the selection for the host sites this year. Um, So, look, I mean, I think Ole Miss desperately needs a 4-0 week this week. Have no idea who the midweek is. It doesn't matter. Midweek games don't matter at all right now. It, it, look, just just throw some random freshman. It, it who cares? Your offense should be good enough to score enough runs to win a midweek game. That's not really an issue. That there aren't any. You know, you don't play Mississippi State in a weird non-conference midweek. You don't play Southern Miss. So the remaining midweeks are all extremely winnable, and Ole Miss should get those wins. And if they don't, then that we're having a totally different discussion. You look. 
two of three or a sweep this weekend. You're sitting in a really good spot, and then you get Texas A&M, who, like Nick said, they're not very good. They don't. They really don't do anything well. They're, it's a very strange time in College Station for a program that is typically really competitive in the West and and typically ranked, you know, in the top fifteen. Um, so look, I mean, I think regardless of how things ended in Starkville, everything that Ole Miss wants to accomplish is still there to get. So it's just a matter of you, you've got to figure out this bullpen issue. You've got to continue to hit the ball because I don't know if they can fix the defensive issues because defensively this Ole Miss team is very, very, very bad. They're very average at almost every position outside of, I'd say, catcher and, I don't know, maybe second base. Um, <laughs> I mean, Chatney is pretty solid. I think Gonzalez is going to eventually be moved to third. Um, the outfield's fine, but there's zero arm in it at all three positions. So, I mean, Mississippi State did it all weekend. They took the extra base whenever they could, and I think that that's something that people are going to continue to do because nobody has an arm in any of the outfield spots. Um, Outside of Kevin Graham making a couple circus catches every other game, they're pretty average. So you got to continue to hit. And look, I mean, without Tim Elko, this offense has been electric, and there's, there's no other way around it. They were tops in the SEC and runs scored per game going into the weekend in Starkville. They were top 10 in the nation in runs scored per game. So they've kind of pieced it together. And I think that Mike Clements has found like his best nine that they need to get out there and let them hit. So as long winded as that was, I mean, I look at to sum it all up, Ole Miss can still get to where they want to be in these next two weeks, the window before they select who's hosting and who's not. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, you talked about players in in the field, I guess, that are, you know, average or above average. I would say Justin Bench, right? I mean, he's been – I feel like he's been pretty decent over at third base. Yeah, he, I mean, he he's hurt. So he's got to he, – he's somewhat limited. Um, but look, man, the left side of the infield has been pretty average all year. And I know shortstop is a hard position. Probably get the most chances out of anybody outside of catcher. Um and look, I mean, some of the greats have had really bad freshman years in the field. Um, I mean, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I believe Zach Cozart really struggled in the field his freshman year. Greg Kessinger struggled in the field his freshman year. So it's not it's not me saying, well, he's just not going to be a good shortstop or be a good infielder. He's going to be fine. Jacob Gonzalez is a really talented player. But that's, to me, an issue that I don't think is fixable, you know, short term. I think you'd be yeah, more. Yeah. I, I think it's you, they need to focus on fixing the bullpen. I think that that's where you can really make up and, and you know take some strides because I think the offense can hit well enough to kind of mask the defense. Yeah, I think the part of the problem too with the defense is that not only do, they're just not exceptional in the field, but they also don't really make any plays. They don't make a ton of errors, but they're just not making any plays. And I. I think I saw a stat earlier that Ole Miss was like last in the SEC in number of shifts that have happened, and I, I'm kind of curious as to how many of those balls on 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 Sunday for MSU they would have hit into the shift if if we were you know had we deployed it. I mean they hit four straight ground balls and none of which were hit very hard in that inning before you know the triple that that gave them the go ahead you know three runs. You know how many of those are hit right into the teeth of, the, of a shift? If we, you know, if we do that, 
I mean, we we've discussed this at length on the show about Bianco's just refusal to adapt and to utilize the shift. I mean, State did it all weekend because at this point, Ole Miss's offense refuses to hit the ball the other way. I, I mean, it's it, they were basically shifting the entire infield over. Uh, I believe Ben referred to it as like the big poppy shift for Kevin Graham. And I mean, they just, at some point you've got to be able to be an athlete, be a college baseball player and, you know, choke up, move up in the box, crowd the plate, something, and just slap it the other way. I mean, unless you're just going to absolutely just hit a seed through the shift or hit it out of the ballpark, you know, hitting a ball hard right at the dude that's playing shallow right field does you nothing. And look, I mean, maybe they are trying. I have no idea. But it didn't look to me like they were even remotely trying to work around the shift. But yeah, defensively, I think Ole Miss would be served well to utilize doing some kind of shift at some point because, I mean, pretty much everybody in college baseball has a particular approach. And most of them are going to be much better at pulling the ball than going the other way. So I would say analytics and statistics point to using a shift, but you know, I'm not Mike Bianco, so it doesn't really matter what I think. So for this weekend, we'll talk about that before we close. Um, we've talked about LSU and their struggles. Caden Hill is out for the year. They're going to throw Marceau on Thursday. This is a Thursday, Friday, Saturday series. I think that Hoagland going against him is a great matchup for Ole Miss. And as Nick already alluded to, LSU is is not your typical LSU team. They're not somebody that's, that's going to bring a really powerful offense in. They're not going to really hit it in the gap. Um, they have really struggled. And Nick, I don't know if you have the standings pulled up or Ben, Smirgle, anybody. Uh, I mean, what are they, 4-11 and 11 in the SEC right now? Yeah. yeah, they're second to last in the whole conference. So, uh, Ole Miss is the better team. I, I, th- this is kind of one of those where, you know, you don't really want to say it, but it's kind of where you just throw your hat on the field and you win because you're better. Um, and I, I think that that's kind of where this team is with the LSU series and the A&M series. You're going to be the better team in every game, almost every facet, maybe outside of bullpen. I don't know what... LSU and AM's bullpen looks like, but I mean, Smeargle, Ben, um, y'all have probably seen the most live baseball. Nick, you might be in there with them, uh, all three being located there. I mean, what, what, I guess, what do y'all expect this weekend? Um, you know, what, what's the, what, where's this team at mentally? Um, I, I'm not at all saying they're going to just shut it down and, and, play assy or anything well it's a it's it's an eight game i think it's an eight game home stint and then you're on top of that you know you've got uh grove bowl um as well and so lane throwing up first pitch on saturday yeah there you go so i mean i mean even if lsu's down it's still lsu it's still you know one of the bigger baseball rivalries out there and so obviously uh i'm sure the, I'm sure the team is looking the rooms a bit, a little bit after, um, after you know, going to Starkville and coming back um, with the L. And so, I mean, if I was if I was a member on this baseball player, uh, baseball team, the, my first 
thought would be the, looking forward to these next this home stint and thinking, hey, we can run the table here, and then that gives you a huge swing of momentum going to College Station, possibly win that series there, and then you're more you're sitting in the catbird seat, ready for for to to ho- potentially host a super regional all. Uh, off the early announcement. So I, I, I can't wait to get out there this week. I think it's going to be, um, the, I mean, hopefully the weather's, I mean, it's been really cool here in Oxford. So hopefully it's still not too hot. I think it's going to be big crowds. It, I do hate that it is a Thursday, Friday, Saturday stick. Cause I think if, if you had your traditional, uh, Friday, Saturday, you'd have a lot more people, um, out of the game and everything and catching all three games. But I'm, I like our chances against LSU. Um, I think a sweep just kind of just skyrockets you uh, moving forward to host South Carolina. And I, I think that's very, very possible. The the good thing about this is <clears throat> if LSU had anything else on their jersey, we would – I mean, this is a get-right week, right? No, Regardless, just because they're not very good. And if – and the, this LSU team is more like – you know, hosting a traditional Kentucky team or something like that. But because they have LSU on your jersey, on the jersey, you're exactly right. It just boosts your confidence and and um, all that. And thing is, I agree with you. I think Ole Miss should sweep this weekend. LSU is just not good. I mean, they just aren't. And if Ole Miss is to take itself seriously and put itself back into uh, super regional contention – then uh, or national seed contention, then a sweep is in order. I mean, frankly, I think the next nine SEC games, Nick and I were talking about this just earlier today, um, Ole Miss bare minimum needs to go six and three. And a good start to that is sweeping LSU because LSU is probably the worst team that they're going to play in the next nine games. Yeah. Oh, or yeah. Next, next nine SEC games. Especially with it being – At you know, A&M. Yeah. yeah, at A&M, and then you know, South Carolina's good, and then you go to Georgia, which I don't think Georgia's a very good team at all. I think they're 7-8 and eight in conference. They did somehow – I mean, t- to my dying days, I'll never get it. They did somehow beat Vanderbilt twice. So, there's something there. I mean, in, you know, and you, you have to go on the road over there, and they're probably at that point maybe playing for a chance again in the NCAA tournament. So, But, yeah, this, this LSU weekend is – you know, if it was any other team, if this was – a traditional Tennessee team coming in here and they had the, the same stats that LSU has and Tennessee across their jerseys, everyone would be saying anything less than a sweep would be disappointing. So I think just because it's, it's LSU and it's, you know, pulmonary and it's the, the gold jerseys and stuff, we're kind of hedging a little bit, but I mean, Maneri looks like a dead man walking. That guy does not look happy in Baton Rouge. And I don't, I mean, barring them just doing something crazy and they don't – I mean, frankly, they just don't have the players to do it to, to win nine or ten you know, games in a row. He's done after this year, and I think he understands that. I think the players get it. They've got one pitcher who's probably SEC caliber that they're going to run out there, and they've got maybe three SEC caliber hitters. I mean, they're just not good. And, and the fact that the, you know their jersey says LSU, we're, we're probably giving them too much credit, but – yeah, so it started off with a sweep this weekend. It kind of, you know, it it gives you that same buffer you had after you played Alabama and Auburn that, you know, you can you can really kind of make some hay. Because, I mean – I the, mean, 12 and 6 is on pace for 20 and 10. I mean, let's just call it what it is. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And, and I mean, like, a, a, a national seed is definitely still, you know, out there. I mean, it, 
the rest of the country this year is not that great if you kind of look around. So, you know, get in line, MSU, if they could go ahead and get swept by Vanderbilt, you, you, you know, and we sweep this weekend, you probably vault, by, vault back ahead of them. So. Do we think – I have no idea if he even does start. Do we think that Maneri starts Drew Bianco this weekend? Yes. Are you asking if we're going to groove him a fastball? <laughs> that too. Yeah. Um, he's I, – I would jokingly say, is the crowd going to boo him? But I honestly, I think they're probably going to give him a standing ovation. What's yeah, what's he, what's going to get a standing ovation? What's worse, uh, him hitting a dinger and somehow the fans giving him a curtain call, or doing like a tribute video to Hugh Freeze when Liberty comes to town? <laughs> okay, okay, y'all think they're going to give him a standing ovation? I mean, I think they'll uh, clap for him. Think, oh yeah, I think that too. Yeah, absolutely. Oh no, no, I was. I, just mean, I, don't, I don't think anybody's had anything against the guy. I was saying no, the standing no. ovation would be like a that'd be weird. A, you know, he didn't go to Ole Miss. I mean, what's the over under on the amount of times that the ESPN color commentary mentions the fact that Drew Bianco is on the on the LSU baseball team? Almost just, as often as Colby Bortles as Blake Bortles, yeah. <laughs> or, and that plays piano. The split screen between the two of them, like in in the dugout, mm. you know, especially if Bianco is given like a mid game interview. The, you know, I mean, that's oh, like yeah. a free space. The first question is, you know, what's Coach, it feel like to have your son in on the yeah. field? Yeah. Oh, you know, it's a dream come true, you know, but really we're just trying to focus on our guys. <laughs> they'll, they'll, verbatim. They'll time it up and do the split screen when Drew's batting. Guaranteed. Yeah. Guaranteed. Uh, Is he a sophomore? He's a COVID so- sophomore, yeah. Yeah. So I, let's last year was his first year there? The well, if that's – if last no, last year was his second year there because, remember, he played against us in Baton Rouge two years ago. Okay, I didn't know that if he had played in Oxford. Yeah, I knew he hit a home run in Baton okay, Rouge. But bomb. Uh, it was a bomb. Cock shot fastball. Yeah. So this is his second, like, year. But he, he has two more years after this if he wants yeah. them. So Drew – and I – well, and look, not, not being, you know, derogatory here. Drew might be a fan of the podcast. I don't know. He's he's a fan of the Twitter, um, but he is struggling this year. He's hitting 171. Um, but, I mean, if there's a get-right weekend and he plays, it's probably going to be this weekend. Um, not saying that it will happen or if he gets a fastball that it was intentional. But um, looking at their stats, LSU hits 269 as a team. Um, they've Ooh. got... They've got three guys hitting over 300. The rest, 282, 278, 277, 257, 250. They're terrible. They don't They do not do anything well. Like I said, I think they're last in doubles and they're ninth in home runs in the SEC this year. I mean, now they, do. they don't hit for power. I was going to say, they have They three. don't hit for average and make up for it by not hitting for yeah. power. They do have three guys with nine or more home runs. So maybe that's maybe they, yeah that's right. But I think that that's about all the home runs they have. So they've got to do guys. their damage in the two, three, and four hole or whatever. Yeah, I mean, be. if you if you keep Gavin Dugas, K. Doty, and Dylan Cruz in check, I mean, there's not much else in the everyday lineup. Those are the guys they combined for 28 home runs so far. 
death taxes and a do guy playing baseball at LSU. Yeah. Um, all right. So last couple things here. I think we all are predicting a sweep. If I'm, is that correct? I don't want to yeah, speak for anyone. Yeah. I, I think predict only, this week every week. Sweep every week. Like, <laughs> that's just I think they sweep. How I, roll. I just don't think that LSU is very good. And look, they if you get to Marceau on Thursday, that I have no clue. I can look real quick, but I don't know who their other starters are. You've got yeah, because they're terrible. Like normally, you would know that. Yeah, Marceau, AJ. It's like you can still name Antoine Duplantis right now. Yeah. Shit, I don't know because Caden Hill's out. So, um, I guess Will Helmers maybe he started four games. Um, so yeah, I, look, it doesn't really matter. Ole Miss is the better team and and should be able to to uh, to get it done. Um, all right, so we've covered a lot of ground. Uh, Smeargle as the uh, as the guest, I'll give you the uh the final window here to uh, voice your opinion. Do we have uh, any hot takes for this weekend? I'm thinking a hot take hmm, hotter than LSU Boudin. Uh, let's, let's, let's go for the big three Oh total run scored uh, across the weekend. I think, or maybe heck let's, let's, let's make it 36. A little over under of total runs scored by the old Miss, old piss bear shark uh, diamond bears. Yikes! Thirty six runs scored on the weekend. That's like a that's a, that it'll be a murder. Yeah, I mean that would they might fire Maneri before he gets on the bus. They should probably do that either way for him. Drew Bianco may be trying to transfer to Ole Miss <laughs> in the middle of the third game. He's gonna just swat swap dugouts, <laughs> grab grab the jersey that has the win total that's like hanging on the yeah. back wall, and just throw it on. He's yeah. been in that dugout a number of times anyway, so it wouldn't yeah. be, wouldn't be much different yeah. for him. Yeah. All right, I work for um, an SEC players for other schools. <laughs> so we will have uh, we we will actually this weekend. Um, now we do normally, but. Um, Yours truly will be on the ground in Oxford, joining the other three here on the show. Um, so we'll be live and in color in full effect in uh, Swayze this weekend. Um, stay locked in on the site. We'll have, uh, I'm sure John Macon will have some some preview stuff. He'll have some recaps for you and uh, follow along on Twitter, Instagram, and all the other good stuff. But uh, that's going to do it for Podcast Rebellion this week. Thanks to Davis McCord State Farm and the rest of our lovely sponsors. For Smeargle, for Ben, for Nick, I'm Zach. This has been Podcast Rebellion. Thank you all for listening. We out.